You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Nigel, I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today we will be discussing the topic of attracting and retaining top tech talent. I am joined by my wonderful guests, uh, Upinder Agarwal from Square, Colette Van Ooflen from Vanguard, Joel Morrison from Tall Emu, and Charit Hapultantri from Zero. Just before we jump into the questions, um, Upinder, um, could you maybe introduce yourself, who you are, what you're passionate about? Sure. Uh, hello, everyone. Good morning. Uh, uh, Thank you for having me here for this podcast. Uh, my name is Upinder Agarwal, and I uh, am director of payments technology at uh, Block, which is the new name for the company called Square. Uh, we are in the business of uh, helping uh, small and medium-sized enterprises, as well as uh, customers who would like to uh, uh, do uh, you know commerce using uh, buy now pay later uh, methodologies? Uh, so I'm passionate about uh, reading books and uh, spending time outdoors by walking, hiking, etc. So I really love bushwalking. Lovely, and uh, um, Colette, um, could could you introduce yourself, please? Sure, Nigel. I'm Colette Van Ophelen. I'm a technical delivery manager at Vanguard. Um, and Vanguard is a, is a global uh, investment company. Here in Australia, we, we're actually launching a superannuation product really, really soon. Um, what I'm passionate about, I mean, my passion really is um, making automating things really making things improve improve the life of our customers but even people in the company by making things easier more more flexible and working better so really i'm always aiming of those improvements that we can do to make our life better lovely perfect and uh, joel if you could introduce yourself as well yeah, sure thing. Good morning. I'm Joel Morrison, Head of Engineering over here at Twalemu CRM. Um, we're effectively a CRM product, which is all about helping businesses run their business, you know, integrating with all the things they need to um, to run their business and just make it their day-to-day easier. So I'm very passionate about uh, building teams, helping people get where they need to go, um, but also using technology to do that. That little bit of societal impact is always nice as well. That's me. Perfect. Uh, and last but not least, uh, Charit, uh, you could introduce yourself. Uh, thanks, Nigel. Uh, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to uh, talk to your audience. Um, and my name is Charit. I'm Aputantri. I'm an engineering manager here at Zero. Uh, Zero is a small business um, platform. Uh, we have uh, millions of uh, small businesses uh, running and trusting our platform to run their business day to day. I'm helping to manage a team. Um, cross-regional team um, who managed some of the key data assets um, in here in Zero. Um, my background, I'm originally from Sri Lanka. Um, I'm a self-taught programmer. Uh, very early stage, I moved into engineering management. Um, and I have experience in different domains, um, banking, finance, 
um, telco and recently into more SaaS cloud products. Um, what I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about creating spaces for the creatives, the engineers to come together and solve complex customer problems. Um, and that's what I've been doing for a long time, about decades now, um, and I'm quite enjoying doing that. Perfect. Uh, yep. Some great introductions there, guys. Uh, some great background into, I suppose, all the guests we have on today. Um, so we'll, I suppose, jump into the questions uh, then. So the, the first question will be Charit's question, uh, which is having an agile approach to recruitment. Um, Charit, if, if maybe you could give some context around the question um, and get into it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me first try to um, explain what I meant by um, having an agile approach to uh, hiring means and then explain why it's important to have that kind of a mindset. Um, the core principle here is like actually looking at the same principles that we apply in agile and how can we apply that into our recruitment. Um, principles like collaboration, uh, responding to change or following a plan, um, and continuous improvement mindset. All these are fundamental principles that we that we use in our software development. Um, and that's that's how we respond to change. Um, and how can we apply that same principle into your recruitment? Um, why it's important to apply that? Um, just on the background, two years ago, I started a journey with Zero, building out an engineering group from scratch. And this is about 40 engineers. And our target was about build that within two years of time. And what that looked like, it's like you are sending out contracts every month, pretty much. Um, and we just started just before the pandemic. Everything was in place. We had plans in place. Market was very flourish at that time, but everything suddenly changed. So how do you adjust yourself? How do you change your strategy to respond to those changes? So that's where these core principles come into play. Um, and what helped us having a continuous improvement mindset and thinking recruitment as more like a same as how we do software delivery. We start with the hypothesis, we run an experiment, we gather results and we define, applying the same principles helped us actually achieve those targets. Um, so that's kind of the background and the importance of that. Perfect. Um, all right. Um, so yeah, I suppose, does anyone else want to jump in on the topic around agile approach to recruitment? Yeah, probably I would uh, add to that. So I believe that the demand for talent is converging. What it means is that if you look at, uh, there's, there's some data which, I, which is kind of, uh, uh, may not be so accurate, but it is directionally correct that, you know, 40% of the jobs are for a few roles, which is like, you know, 5% or 10% of the roles, and they are like pipeline kind of jobs but rest of the jobs are for much bigger uh, pool of roles. So the demand for talent is converging. Uh, there's a new techs are emerging and the corporate business models are evolving. So recruiters have to handle much more complex mix of requisitions. And uh, some of them may even have unfamiliar requirements. So recruiting costs are also going up and the recruiting model uh, needs to evolve, become much more data-driven and much, much more predictive as well as talent-focused. 
So how do we achieve that is truly by being agile uh, in the recruitment uh, processes too. So what I what I think about that is instead of having a regular bottom up, uh, instead of having a fixed planning, it it uh, needs to be driven by regular bottom up hiring projections, and instead of focusing on the current business needs, it needs to be driven by looking at the tailwind trends and what is upcoming in the market, et cetera. And then it should also become much more predictive based upon the data which we get, uh, which we collect at, at different stages in the recruitment, including candidate experience, uh, the time to fill, et cetera, et cetera. So that will help us continue further evolve our process as, uh, as just was mentioned. So I totally believe that this is the right thing to do is bring agile practices into recruitment. Yep, perfect. Definitely, definitely agree with myself. Um, I think data-driven, I suppose, insights within the recruitment space as well is definitely a huge thing, a huge area that's growing. I know a lot of agencies, including ourselves, are starting to actually add value using data, data points, and obviously using that for the predictive nature and you know trying to drive home results. Um, yeah, Joel or Colette then, do you, do you guys have anything to add, yes. I suppose? Yeah. I do have what I've seen in the market lately in the last few years that you do have to agile as the person re- looking for people. So what I've seen uh, in the last uh, year or so is that you get people who who have a lot of interviews and job offers. So what happens is while you're doing your recruitment process and looking to find for a few people, because you do want to compare, you don't want to take the first person that comes in as well to see what's available. These people already have multiple offers. So um, a company or organization has to really be fast, move quick from a first interview, second interview or whatever shape you have to giving an offer out. And then it doesn't even stop that. Uh, even someone who I've seen this year much more than before. I, I never had it before, really, where you hire someone, they take your offer. And during that period of four weeks that they are on their notice period and you're doing any background checks, they get offered another jobs, most probably that they like more or gives more money. And uh, a week or so before they are joining, um, they tell you, I'm not taking the role, even though they have accepted. So I've seen people leave before um, joining. So there is so much offered, the demand, yes, there is there is fewer people for the job. So the choice is all on them. So having better, yeah, if a company provides better things to people, people jump ship before even starting in an organization. Yeah, very true. Uh, I'm sure we probably all had similar situations over the last two years uh, of candidates leaving before before they even start. Uh, just obviously in nature of the, 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 I suppose, candidate market, there's so much happening. And as you said, any one time, the, these guys, if they have one offer, they more than likely have two, three or four. And uh, it's just the reality of it. Um, I, I suppose, Joel, then, um, yeah, do you have anything to add as well on this question? Yeah, I kind of got 100% agree with all of it. The whole concept of using agile and changing our recruitment funnel and process to suit the ever-changing market. Like the analogy that came up when I first saw this question, it's going to sound a bit cliched, was it's waterfall to agile, right? But applying that from 
software engineering to another form of delivery you could use, like getting getting candidates, the right candidates, in to solve the problem we need as a business. You know, I know in the last year, especially, um, and looking at different markets, went from having you know relatively fixed structure that had worked for the recruitment channel, you know, X interview, technical interview, that kind of flow. To, that was just taking too long the, for the candidates because it became a candidate-rich market as we're all experienced and their needs changed so much. It, it, a year ago, you could have said, hey, we've got work remote, all these things which were, candidates were looking for and, you know, they might have one other interview and the, their patients would, you know, if it was a week-long process, that was okay. I've had experience with a candidate where I had same-day offer to them and they had another offer and they took it same-day. And it was comparable. It wasn't. It wasn't that much of a difference in REM, as an example. So, so how do you match that? So we're we're continually looking at how we do our re recruitment process, but also um, touching on Colette's point of like, after they've signed the contract, that keeping in touch piece. You know, I'll reach out. You know, let's just say it's a four week notice. I'll reach out about two weeks after we've initially chatted, um, and then also one week before that check in to go, hey, how are you going? Is what we're offering still your thing? You know, I phrase it differently than that, but making sure that what the candidate's looking for is is met, and if they did have hesitations, concerns, what what they are, and trying to address them early, you can't always solve it. But I've found that has helped a lot more, especially like I was primarily recruiting the Melbourne market, and then this last year I've been doing Melbourne and Sydney. Very different dynamic for a whole pile of factors, and Nigel, I'm sure you can relate there. Mm. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Um... Two, two very different markets, I suppose. Um, similar challenges to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, both absolutely crazy. Um, within the last uh, year, year and two, two years, three years even, I would say. Um, but yeah, look, very interesting times. I think, you know, I think definitely hit the nail on the head with uh, having an agile approach to recruitment. It, it is so important. Um, like, I, I think you have to accept it's inevitable that you won't get every candidate that you want. Yeah. But by being agile and flexible, you give yourself every chance of, you know, being more successful and getting them over the line, getting them to starve. And I suppose obviously retaining them as well down the line. Um, so I, I suppose we'll move on to our, our next question, um, which is from Colette. And it is on how to build a diverse and inclusive talent pipeline. Um, Claire, if you'd like to introduce. Okay, so this is a problem I think that every company would have, right? Like you have um, people within the company who either leave or get promoted or move to other roles. And you always have this flow of of people coming in, more junior people joining the organization. So in my organization, one of the main things we want to do, it's it's twofold, making sure we have a good talent pipeline, new people coming in, uh, people who get into other roles and grow in the, in the organization because we want to retain good talent. Um, but the other part of it is diversity, equity and inclusion, which we're very big on. So how do we make sure that we're creating an inclusive and equitable environment that reflects a diverse community. So one of the things we've been doing, for example, we've been working with universities uh, such as Swinburne University or Melbourne Uni, and we've been... 
in university, we, we, they usually have work assignments like uh, internship that they are meant to do in their courses. So what we've been doing, um, we've been approaching universities, work up with their timelines, and every semester they usually have um, a group of students that would need to go. So we're in our organization, we're working with that and bringing in um quite a few people there. And the reason we're actually doing that is that these people often on the technical side of things, they are well-versed on the newer technologies. They are still very junior, so they can fit into our junior roles. But what it gives us is we've noticed that there is more diversity at that levels. Uh, when we go to roles to the market, um, more senior roles often, uh, we often notice that even though we ask the recruiters, please give us a diverse talent pool, we often get in IT more males, for example. Um, while when we went to uni, we've seen a, a bigger diverse mix. And that has been something that's been working really well for us, that we get them in. Uh, usually most candidates that join are also very happy to stay on, uh, especially when they're at the end of, of their university. And we've seen it's, it's a sort of win-win. They get the work experience that's very hard for people just finishing studies to fit in. Do you have three years, five years experience in this space? And we get people who are really have that willingness, that eagerness to, to do everything really. And usually they learn really a lot. The other thing um, that you can do, right, to keep that talent pool growing, but also have the diversity, we've really fo been focusing on putting like leadership trainings or other trainings within the organization. But in some cases, for example, and it's not only limited to women, we had women in leadership programs as well to make sure, because what we've seen is you start with 40, 42% of women in the in, in the more junior roles, but as it goes higher up in the organization, more senior roles, you start losing that diversity. So we've been putting a focus on at the more junior levels, how do you make sure we're growing those people so you don't lose them as they gain seniority and they leave the organization? Yep, I, I suppose, yeah, it seems to be, you know, a pretty good approach, I think, to building a, a diverse and inclusive talent pipeline. Um, I suppose, yeah, as as you mentioned, obviously, maybe, you know, it's, it is a more diverse talent pool, uh, I suppose, fresh graduates. Um, and as you say, it's, I suppose, very mutually beneficial to both parties. You know, you get, you do get that kind of long, longer term commitment. Um, and also, um, you know, they, they get the opportunity to learn, I suppose, and use the various leadership programs as well, which, which is great. Um, I suppose, yeah. But what other experience uh, do, do people have, um, with building diverse, uh, tech talent pipelines? Yeah, I'd love to share some of the work we have been doing uh, so far. I absolutely 100% agree um, what what we said on that topic. Um, I think um, because the world is diverse, and how could an organization couldn't be diverse, right? And that's 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 pretty much the nature. And there are ample of research that shows having a diverse set of individuals working together, how that actually benefits organizations. So there's no doubt about that topic at all. Uh, it's about how we go about doing that. Um, and Zero has been, um, you know, like in the Melbourne market and also across our regions, been very vocal about how we how we uh, attract, retain and grow diverse talent in our organization. Um, and some of the activities that we have been, we have internal objectives 
that we drive towards like building uh, underrepresented or um, um, women in uh, tech talent and, and bringing them into the senior leadership roles. And those are heavily managed, heavily uh, monitored goals that the organization keep uphold uh, very dearly. Um, but I think the key is like, it doesn't start when somebody walked into the organization. It starts even before someone actually walked into the organization. That start from your talent experience. Uh, it start with your market reach. How's your advertisements being actually crafted? We did an exercise where we went through all our external marketing materials and removed any gender-related um, bias statements, if there are any. Uh, just make it gender neutral and, and making sure that people are able to like apply and feel comfortable applying for those roles. And that's such important. And other important thing is like when you have a panel for an interview, you know, think about is your panelists diverse? Do they feel comfortable um, in that panel? And that's such an important aspect. And we we have in my my journey in zero, like I make sure that I have a diverse panel representing zero. Uh, in front of the candidate and giving them the experience, giving them the familiarity during the process. Um, and the second thing I think are the most important is getting the feedback. After that experience is over, like what's the feedback? Because your recruitment doesn't start, um, doesn't end when somebody actually leaves the funnel, right? You know, it actually starts when they leave the fund because they'll they'll talk about the organization. Um, so how do you how do you keep a good how do you get that feedback and improve your process is also such an important thing. Um, so I think a lot of work to be done. I think it's not enough being done, if I'm correct. Um, so I think we had to put a lot of efforts on that and emphasis as hiring managers. Um, but I'm confident that we are moving towards the right direction. Um, and I'm positive about that as well. Yeah. So some some great points there as well. Um, as well, Joel or you, Binder, um, would you like to add uh, anything to this uh, question? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's it's become more and more apparent. It's like a, a key aspect of something you're looking for when you're building your team. And and to Ruth's point, it's like even before you've you've looked at into the market of who's available, whether you're headhunting or engaging a um, an agent like uh, Nigel. Or, or so forth, like looking for how do they fit both tech skills, soft skills, diversity um, aspects, which are really, really important both for your team now, you know, the, the direct team they're going into, or, you know, the broader team, because people come into a business, they might come into, say, my team, and then their development means they might want to go to another part of the business. You know, how, how does that fit with the, the cultural aspect of, you know, what they bring to the, the team and the company and how that aligns and, and make sure it's balanced and balanced in the right way and in no way, shape or form um, ticking off a box. Yes, we've we've covered this aspect of the diversity. like leaning into it and going, hey, let's let's do this right. Let's get the right balance for the individuals within a team. And that's a challenge in itself in sometimes when you're recruiting. But I think it's a key part of it. You know, you want to build a team that gels and forms and reforms and having that diverse experience and background is hard to do but it pays off so well, both for the team, the company, and the individuals. I've, I've seen the most happiest individuals in teams where it's a very, very broad background of you know cultures, experiences, and so forth. It, it's a hard thing to do, but it's essential. Uh, 
Sorry, I totally agree with uh, all the comments and I think there are some uh, good uh, perspectives here. The way I think about it is mm, uh, building a talent pipeline is not just about recruitment. So I think about hire, retain and grow. So we need to have a very conscious effort of improving our diversity and inclusiveness in all the three buckets. Um, it is really already proven that uh, diverse teams and not just when we talk about diversity and inclusion, inclusion, it's not just about gender diversity and inclusion, but it's also looking at the other aspects of diversity, including unrepresentative minorities. So diverse teams actually create better products, can relate with the customers better, uh, bring better ideas to the table and so on. So uh, I think some of the things which I kind of tend to think about is right from the beginning, even when we are posting the job description, making sure that it is inclusive job description. It doesn't have words which are stronger masculine meanings because sometimes it may detract uh, other candidates to, to, to not to apply there. Um, and uh, as you are going growing through this process, bringing talent in, uh, ensuring that everybody in the organization, especially uh, the frontline managers, all the way up to the top leaders, they understand and have gone through the, the trainings and orientation about removing unconscious biases. So we may not want to show our biases, and but how do you pick up those signals which are bringing those unconscious biases uh, on, the, on the table? And similarly, uh, for candidates who are diverse, uh, it's not just creating a platform for them, but encouraging and leading them from front. I've seen many examples uh, where candidates are, even when they are part of the company, the employees, they are hesitant to uh, to uh, pick up a seat on the table, right? So they always want to pick up a seat uh, on the other chairs, which are not really on the table, uh, which which kind of gives you a signal that what is the uh, culture around uh, D and I in the organization. So how do you really lead them? Uh, maybe you know have mentorship programs which coaches them and mentors them. Uh, to to be uh, to perform to their fullest potential so i think uh, uh, it's not just a in my opinion it's uh, di diversity and inclusion is not just a moral imperative but also a very big business imperative and we should more and more focus on it yeah yeah, def definitely agree there for sure. Um, I, I suppose Colette, then, do, do, do you have anything else there that you you'd like to add on the topic yourself, or? No, I think everybody brought a slightly different perspective and it's true. It's not just the recruitment part, right? It's like, how do you keep people? And I liked also the idea of once they leave, right? How do they talk about the organization? Because it's still, you can still leave a company and still be you know very positive about that organization um how do you do that uh, so it's all very good points and very important points um, to have a diverse group of people working with you yeah de definitely in complete agreement there myself um okay we'll um, move on to the next question uh, which is joel's question 
Um, so the question is, how do we ensure long-term commitment and re-engagement of talent lasts or sticks in the remote and hybrid world of employment? Um, so I suppose, Joel, um, yeah, I suppose a little, a little bit of context on that one and we can get into it. Yeah, for sure. It's a little bit more wordy now that I'm hearing it read back. <laughs> but kind of talking about the theme, you know, we all want to get the right people into the roles. We want to retain, we want to keep them. You know, the last two and a bit years have been pretty challenging for everybody. And, you know, going from the traditional office to remote, remote is the thing. How do you retain people when they're working remote and you haven't seen them in six months or longer? Um, you know, how to get that frequent touch points, how to make sure they're feeling valued, engaged, as you know, and growing their career over that time. So, you know, you go through the investment of time to get the right people into the roles. Just We just touched on diversity, you know, getting the diverse teams built. How do we keep them, keep them engaged, help them grow their career? And those two things sometimes can be polar opposites. Like, um, as Colette said, sometimes people are at the next stage of their career and they're choosing to leave the business. Is 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 there anything we can do about that? You know, our offer to the to the team member, what we're offering is it what they need. Um, sometimes it is you, you can keep them and what are the best ways to do that? And also the the more challenging part for me as a people leader, challenging but also happy, someone's at their stage in their career, they're after the next thing. Whatever the next thing is. And if I can't offer that where where I am in, in my organization, um, maybe it's a bit contentious, but I'll, I'll support them to find that next thing because to me it's important for them to get to the next stage of their career. Um, yeah, a little bit of context there. Yeah, perfect. Um, I, 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 think, I think you're right. I know I've, I've touched on this before in some previous uh, podcasts and I, I suppose there's so much you can do for retention, but as you say, certain people do reach that level within their career where you know, the next step uh, sometimes does have to be elsewhere, unfortunately. Um, and I suppose I think there's nothing better that you can do than to actually support them in that next step. Um, you know, it can only reflect well on you uh, as a person and obviously as a business. Um, so I suppose back back to the question, do, does anyone else have, I suppose, any kind of experiences around this that they'd like to share? Maybe... I, I can add uh, what the one thing I've seen, it's also changing, like around nine months ago, as we started slowly going into getting back more into the physical office, there was much more pushback of people not wanting to come to the office. I had come from an organization where we had set days that we want to come to, and there were many people who were really not willing to come. What's interesting, though, during the months is people have been appreciating that physical contact of coming to the office. and. Uh, like our point was like, yeah, we come to the office on the same day. So you reduce some of that um, digital interaction and you have more of that in person. But the flexibility that was there before is still there, right? And once that was clear that this is not like a compulsory, you have to be. And we kept that flexibility. We've seen that many people are actually enjoying it more than they thought six months ago. And I've even seen certain people in more roles. So, for example, people who have just joined the organization, people who are more junior in a role or people who might have moved roles or moved to new teams. For them, it's much better when they are in the office because they overhear things, they draw things on a whiteboard you fix problems in five minutes rather than having to set up meetings as you would do uh, finding a time in the agenda with 
with others on when you're working from home. So I feel like this hybrid world of working, it's adjusting to the new changes. Like it was different two years ago. It was different a year ago. And now when it's becoming more of a new normal where we'll always work sometime at home and most probably you'll always work sometime in the office. How does that work? How does the flexibility go into? And that's quite interesting. It is like, I feel like a time of learning for organizations to see if they have to adapt and change. Because you see organizations, they say you work wherever you want. And organizations say you have to be in the office and the mix of that. And maybe none of them is perfect, right? It's like, how do you make it work best for your own organization? And my point is always still be flexible in whatever you choose. Yep, very good. Uh, Upinder, uh, do you want to jump in there? Yeah. So I think uh, uh, you know, a couple of years back when COVID started, we were all asked to work from home. To me, that's not really working remote. To me, that was just, you know, you're just compelled to go and work from home. In fact, uh, GitLab as an organization has a role uh, which is totally focused on making sure that employees have everything uh, and the organization is supporting them to work remotely. So investing or making deliberate attempts uh, in the organizational culture to ensure that people are successful when they are working remotely, because a lot of us may not even understand how do you read somebody's body language when you are just watching the screen and you are not in person. We have not been probably... Uh, trained on those kind of aspects. We have not been trained on the aspects, how do you have hard conversations with people uh, around their performance and uh, not meeting objectives and so on. And similarly, we may not even understand how do we give constructive negative feedbacks when we are not in person. We may not feel comfortable, things which we used to do in a coffee room versus now we have to do across the screen. So our organizations really deliberately investing in building that kind of culture, providing that kind of support is very, very critical. However, I also believe that the role of a manager uh, of a team has actually also needs to evolve that, that uh, to be able to manage remotely, but the fundamental aspect of that role has not changed. What I mean by fundamental aspect of that role is, so what is the ground game for, for the employees? That's basically, uh, you know, being able to uh, get in touch with their peers, uh, uh, meeting people, uh, understanding each other, and so on. So as a manager, they still need to continue to drive that ground game. And how do they do that is by probably spending more time in checking in uh, about the both the mental health and the physical health of the employees checking in about what's happening in their families, you know, like because you have to now replace water cooler conversations with del deliberate meetings uh, to just focus on it or even do virtual lunches or drinks where everybody brings their own food, but then you're having it all together over a Zoom meeting. Uh, the concept of appreciation and recognition may also morph and you have to do it now more often and maybe even frequently, but could be even smaller so that people feel engaged, uh, finding ways to come together, you know, maybe as a, a colleague just said, you know, have, if if there's a flexibility, 
get together once in a month may not be in office maybe somewhere outside as the weather gets better just to build that relationship and connection so i believe that uh, yes and and uh, uh, switching on the cameras is is equally important and especially you know even though i am guilty of it and i kind of blur my background but uh, encouraging people to 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 uh, you know uh, let let their pets come in or let their kids come in and and sit in your lab while you are having conversation you know so that you can just get that better connection so that also some of these things may help uh, there was another point uh, which joel talked about is uh, 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 if people are not able to grow then you know supporting them to find the right thing which may even be outside the organization i really uh, appreciate that uh, viewpoint and and i believe yes it's very important to support people achieve what they want to do in their lives but i also feel that Uh, the growth is not just vertical it could also come horizontal or even uh, you know downwards like a bamboo you know which is becoming an subject matter expert or a domain expert or a technology expert and allowing people to see that 360 view of the growth uh, would also help keep people engaged right so these are some of the some of the things which i, I would like to add there Definitely, loads, loads of great advice there. I think, um, and yeah, I, I do like the the viewpoint there on the horizontal growth as well. Uh, very interesting. Um, I suppose Charit, um, I know you guys at Zero uh, do a lot of remote working. Um, so yeah, I suppose do, do you kind of have anything else to add to to this topic? Yeah, um, it's quite interesting that Joel's question of like. how to stick talent in a remote world or hybrid world kind of a move into that more hybrid world side of the conversation because i think every manager at the moment thinking about how can we be better managers leaders in a hybrid world and and that's actually been um put into our plates without us being preparing i think uh, that's what happened during the pandemic but i feel like as a business uh um flexibility was always been a selling point uh, we have seen in that arrangements those days like flexible working hours is a huge thing right but what's that now has become is like, it's it's just a norm right um and that's what the talent is actually requesting um so how can it be like how can we leverage that how can we use that flexibility to like grow the business and keep that key talent with the business i think that's that's very important managers play a huge role um in doing that um and i agree with the uh, pinter's points around like um your interactions with your individuals are now changing from mass communication to like one on one chats and looking after them and and having that intimate chats around like how we are going how's your family because you now get a window to their day to day lives um as a manager i feel that's an opportunity for you to connect with people and and understand them and 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 to be able to have that that more closer conversation um but in the same time it will challenge you with like with the existing communication mechanisms um the town halls people not having that water cooler conversation the information flow is different than before people may feel like isolated they only work with their only team they are not connected to wider organization so we have been doing some work around this like improving how we communicate especially the communication channels that we had 
early established where people need to come to the office to get those information are now available in different other mediums. Um, and that sometimes can be recordings and that can be sometimes more frequent um, town halls that where our leaders are communicating frequently. So people doesn't feel like they're not part of the bigger, bigger picture because we are all social animals. We need that interaction. Every time you walk in and you meet, meet someone new, you learn something new. So I think that continuing that, that um, culture is such an important aspect. Managers play a huge role. Um, I think you need to be very attuned enough to like look at how your team dynamics is working and using your health checks, using um, your data to understand where your team is actually at and using those data points, like make some deliberate decisions around improving. As an example for our teams, we collect every week, every month, how the team is going, how the team health is looking like. And we we review that and we make decisions on that. And so I think that's very important. It's, uh, but I think overall, it's a better thing. It's, it's going to that flexibility of, of working. Um, it's a better thing. How we leverage that, how we, take it to the next level. I think it's still, we are experiencing that, we are testing that. So we need to be flexible and, and, and try to be, uh, try to be uh, positive around that. that makes sense. Yep, de definitely. Uh, so, some more great points there as well. Um, and got a lot of good advice uh, around hybrid and remote working there, uh, guys. Um, so I suppose we'll move on to the I suppose final question unless anyone has anything else to touch on with that one no. okay we'll move on to the last one alright so Upinder's uh, I suppose question or idea is the, the old uh, adage uh, employees don't leave jobs or companies uh, they leave managers and so I suppose I'll, I'll let you take it away Upinder. Yeah, thank you. I think uh, this is a good segue from the last uh, topic which we were talking about how do, especially in this remote and hybrid environment, how do we keep our employees engaged? And one of the uh, pitfall is that if, if employees are not engaged, they leave the organization and uh, why do they leave the organization? So I've been doing some thinking about it and do they re really leave managers or do they really leave jobs? So uh, if I look at some of the uh, surveys published uh, in this area from the organizations like Gallup, they say uh, only 30% of the employees are engaged probably. That is little dated data and primarily uh, US-based data. Uh, and what it means is that they are not emotionally committed. The rest of the organization, as in 70%, is not emotionally committed to the company. So where does what is causing all of that? Now, part of me believes that if the company is good, then good managers really make a difference. However, if the overall organizational culture is not very supportive and conducive of for retention, and we have already talked about some of the things like diversity and inclusion and uh, uh, keeping people engaged in this hybrid environment, et cetera, if you're not having that right support from the organization, then whether uh, the manager is good or bad, it makes little to no difference. And, and the reason why I say my point is definitely uh, managers have a role to play here as far as the employee retention and growth is concerned. However, 
uh, it is uh, if we see that uh, the organization culture has a bigger role to play so managers they they set up shields they protect the employees from the toxicity in the organization they open the doors to the meaningful tasks and learning opportunities they care about employees happiness and success as well as the, you know uh, success in their life not just in their career but uh, what happens if the organizations are not supportive they do not they are not investing in learning and development they have not defined the right kind of career path so that people can progress uh they don't have the right engaging environment like you know we talked about information flow both top down as well as bottom up so if that kind of information flow is not happening what would a manager be able to influence and up to what extent so i believe that uh, managers definitely uh, have opportunity to hire great talent and define jobs around them uh they have opportunity to leverage employee strengths and interest uh they have opportunity to create uh, career uh, paths which mesh with their personal priorities like we were talking about earlier but the role they play in this is almost probably if not more 50 52 how the organizations are supporting and what manager is able to do so with that i kind of look forward to the comments from others and see you know do you agree disagree with me on this i might jump in then i i really really love this actually it's kind of hope all light bulbs and you're talking about uh, a good or great effective manager can what what they can influence depends very much on the company and you know one perspective is if the company culture is like said toxic or or negative or and even a really amazing manager sometimes there's a limit to what the influence can do which of course filters down to their team to the individuals um and kind of flowing on from that is like sometimes a manager like you said could be or paraphrasing like the the 50-50 interface of an employee to the wider team you know creating opportunities for them to interact with other parts of the business but also you know advocating for them and their career as well as advocating for the business and you know what the business and customer goals are finding that balance between the two and you know bad metaphor we're walking the tightrope right we want to retain talent we want to get them engaged we also want to and are accountable for delivering customer outcomes finding that balance in there and and retaining talent in that aspect as well you know if the company's got all these supportive pieces sometimes it's a happier path it's creating opportunities and finding alignment on what the employees expectations are because like some people they love town halls some people from my experience just they don't engage in it because it doesn't align with how they best communicate you know the water cooler topic um conversation is finding that balance and also finding it individually because you know even even my current team or previous teams there's you know so many different ways people choose to interact and interact on different topics they might learn through videos but they hate town halls and things like that finding that balance and and back to the core premise of the question is like yeah i've i've seen people leave organizations um even when their manager has worked really hard to try and retain them um and they weren't able to cuz what that person wanted or needed for a variety of factors wasn't available or or there was a 
a misalignment of what was available and the expectation or need, which as a manager, that can make it really hard, right? We work, we work really hard to keep our people to get that alignment for them. They can be their best. Um, and sometimes they do. And, you know, the flip side to that is if it's a ineffectual manager or a manager who's not delivering on that, of course it makes sense why people will leave. They want to feel valued and their achievement and contribution is valued. And if they're not getting that, it can, I've seen, unfortunately, examples of it's like a thousand cuts metaphor. They'll stay around, even the most loyal people, if they're not getting that recognition and then even if it's a, hey, I love what you're doing, just that simple informal piece or the, you know, the quarterly feedback cycles of giving them the growth opportunities and the feedback and how they've gone. I'm just going to pause there because this topic I'm pretty passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'll have to jump in here. Like uh, this is very close to um, my heart in terms of like everybody had a bad manager and everybody had a good manager and and you'll always remember that. Um, I think key is like for an organization who really thinks about this, investing on your people leaders. Um, and you need to invest continuously on your people leaders because they are your front end uh, voice for your uh, people. So making sure you grow that talent within the organization, having programs in place uh, in terms of people leadership and growing those managers are super, super important. Um, and those leaders are the one who can actually navigate an organization when it's actually in challenging and turbulent times. Um, and we are in that time at the moment, like the whole world is going through that time and the front end leaders are the one who's actually like holding the guard. Um, so that's super important. Um, another key thing is um, when I think about this one is like, Reward and recognitions doesn't need to happen in your only in your uh, 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 annual review. It's something that needs to happen very regularly, um, and it doesn't need to be a big uh, event. The feedback that you rather than happening on your annual review only. So, as managers, continuously making sure that you provide that feedback. Um, to your employees and that's vital for you to like have the relationship as to like retain those talent. Um, maybe the last thing that I'll add here is like um, when the challenges are there to be transparent both ways. Um, as a manager it's a tight rope that you'll be always walking. You need to be transparent in the both ways to the organization, the challenges that you're facing as a manager as well as your employees challenges that you'll have. Transparency kind of like cut through all this uh, messiness and help you like communicate your your uh, problems very clearly and that actually help you to solve the problems faster um and as joel said right if you can't really do anything about it it's about letting them go and you know helping them to go to the next level and that's what you need to do and you need to be transparent and you be prepared for that but it's a tight rope um so key things invest on your people management talent as much as possible and help give very continuous feedback for your people and make it sure you are being transparent. Um, it's a really fascinating topic. I think, Joe, uh, Nigel, you need, you need to like have another podcast um, for this topic only. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot to cover in it, I think. Um, and, you know, we are always looking for topics as well. So I think why not? Um, Colette? Um, yeah, it, yeah. It is, I mean, like everyone said there, it is important you know, it is a big thing. And there is, uh, my opinion is that there is, you know, a lot that a manager can do, you know, to improve what we can do, how people in the organization um, 
how happy they are and their 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 growth in the organization as well and potentially moving out as well there is also a limit to what a manager can do right so you can provide the experience uh, but the organization itself needs to be working you need to be working in line with the organization itself so it is good if you have the support um, from your organization i le- really like to read the the recognition right not everybody wants even to be recognized in the same way some people want to be recognized publicly some people want the money some people just want to tap in the back but not in front of others so it's also understanding what people want to be recognized at because you might think if you don't ask that you're you're recognizing someone and they'll be like i wasn't recognized in the way that i appreciate so it is always good to have those open clear conversations uh with with the people you're working with um my mantra is always be be open right and clear um with people even in situations sometimes there are difficult situations that you are in and you yourself as a manager might not even have all the details but just let your your people know what you can you can write like don't hide things from them so i always have the principle of being honest and 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 give information to others to make sure that it's not like have that culture of like two way discussion as well yeah perfect um i, I know there's a, a lot of i suppose the interest in this does anyone want to jump back in on any other points on this Yeah, Upinder. Yeah, probably uh, the way I would uh, try to summarize this is, uh, you know, a, uh, drawing a, a metaphor around a wheel. So, uh, manager is definitely a an important part of the uh, or important cog in that entire wheel of leadership and organization. And uh, if if any of that other cogs in the wheel are loose or not supporting the entire wheel structure properly you know then the impact is on how we are able to hire retain and grow our talent so definitely there is a big onus on managers to work together and shape the culture of the organization but if it is really uh toxic and and not really doable then it's in, then it to also be courageous to take the the right step in the interest of not only their career but the the their teams so yeah, that's how i would probably summarize it yeah perfect perfect summary there i think um okay i, I think that kind of wraps it up in terms of all the questions um so does anyone have i suppose any other comments they'd like to make around the topic or all right uh, we, we, we'll wrap it up there then and um, so i'd like to thank my uh, wonderful guests uh, colette uh Jared, joel and upinder uh, thanks very much for joining us uh, for this episode of the evolution exchange uh, it was full of fascinating ideas and insight um, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks.